folks. Welcome to the Fallon Forum. It's Ed Fallon with you here, folks. We are broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the heart of America's heartland, and we bring in you progressive voices and civil dialogue across the political divide. If you value what we do, and I hope you do, then uh, support our work. We need your help. Visit the uh, donations page on the Fallon Forum website and make a monthly pledge if you can to sustain our work. Uh, we've been doing this now for over 12 years continuously. I'd also like to thank our local business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can also order groceries online, and Gateway has a catering and floral service as well. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Uh, owner Mark Klipstrom knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's Architecture by Synthesis. So today, we are discussing the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow, and uh, we're taking calls. This is a new format. We're taking calls on our Facebook page. If you can join the conversation live on Mondays on Facebook, uh, 4 p.m. Central Time, we'll take your calls. Uh, of course, some of you are only able to listen to our community-owned stations that broadcast this program in the podcast, and that's awesome as well. Please spread the word and help us continue to do what we do. All right, so COPE 26. Uh, you know, we're a little over halfway through COPE 26 as of today. Uh, some claim it is on track to do great things. Others say it's, well, uh, in, in the words of Greta Thunberg, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I want to get your take on it. But first, here's what I know, or at least what I think I know. All right, three things I want to talk about. Coal, trees, and carbon capture. First, coal. Okay, so Great Britain, uh, okay, a.k.a. the United Kingdom, uh, a.k.a. as I like to say, the former global empire now trying to remain relevant while barely hanging on to the remnants of its empire. That would be Scotland and Wales. Okay, that's a mouthful. Let's just call it England. Okay, England has a department for business, energy, and, and industrial strategy. And that department just announced last week, drum roll please. I don't know if that works for a drum roll, but hey, the end of coal is in sight. This is the actual press release. The end of coal is in sight as the UK secures ambitious commitments at COP26 summit. Okay, if you ignore the uh, self-serving tone of that announcement, the UK did it. Um, it sounds great, right? The end of coal, bring on the renewables, uh, and as the uh, Department of um, Business, Energy, and blah, 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 uh, further reports, um, nearly all countries participating in COP26, that's 190 countries out of 197. Now, that's impressive. 190 countries have agreed to phase out coal power and end support for new coal power plants. Now, that sounds like good news, but wait, there's more good news. Uh, the agreement also includes, and I quote from the official government statement, the UK government division of blah, blah, statement, um, quote, G20 commitments to end overseas financing for coal generation by the end of 2021, effectively ending all public financing of new coal power. Now, wow, that 2021, that's this year. In fact, that's next month. So wait, coal is dead as of Christmas. Now, now gee, I guess I'm going to have to rethink... Uh, I'm going to have to think of something else to put in Kathy's stocking this year. Just kidding, just kidding. Please put down the frying pan. Put down the frying pan. That's a good frying pan. You wouldn't want to wreck it on my head. 
So, um, <laughs> so all that sounds great, right? Uh, well, let's look behind the curtain, Mr. Wizard. All right. So first, the agreement ends, fine, fine print, right? Overseas financing. The agreement ends overseas financing. It doesn't prevent countries from building new coal plants in their own countries. And it doesn't stop the big banks from continuing to finance new coal plants. <laughs> okay? And also, the 190 signatures agreed to stop burning coal. This is a great line, by the way. They agreed to stop burning coal in the 2030s or, and again I quote, in the 2030s or as soon as possible thereafter. <laughs> what kind of timeline is that? I mean, if this wasn't the life and death of everything we know, that would be funny. It's not funny. And finally, and maybe, maybe you've already done the math, because well, this is not hard math. Okay, so out of 197 countries, 190 have signed. That leaves seven. Let's see, who would that be? Ah, okay, it just happens to be the biggest coal users in the world. China, India, Australia. The U.S. Those countries have not signed the agreement. Now, allegedly, uh, President Biden and the U.S. didn't sign because they fear angering the most powerful man in the world. No, no, not the Pope. Good guess, though. Not even Rush Limbaugh. Also a good guess. No, no, sorry, not Anthony Fauci. The most powerful man in the world? West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. And that, that, that point was driven home very powerfully by Greenpeace recently when um, the group put together uh, some great street theater showing a huge ExxonMobil puppeteer who was controlling Manchin, who himself was a puppet, controlling Biden and, and Chuck Schumer. Uh, hilarious, um, hilarious work, Greenpeace. Anyway, making the point. So... Um, Okay, so the COP26 coal quote success, my take is that uh, it's not that good. We'll get yours in a bit. Um, I've also got to touch on reforestation. At uh, COP26, uh, over 100 world leaders promised to end and reverse deforestation by 2030. Unlike the coal agreement, this one includes many big countries, uh, with also with many big trees, uh, uh, Canada, Brazil, Russia, China, Indonesia, the Congo, and yeah, the U.S. And actually, that list covers 85% of the world's forests. That's not bad. But wait, <laughs> as the publication called The Conversation points out, quote, this is only the most recent commitment to stop forest loss in a series of similar initiatives. In 2005, the U.N. Forum on Forests committed to, quote, reverse the loss of forest cover worldwide by 2015. Didn't happen. Then again, in 2008, 67 countries pledged to try and reach zero net deforestation by 2020. Didn't happen. And then in 2014, 200 countries, organizations, and indigenous groups committed to cutting deforestation in half by 2020. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, these, these efforts, well-intentioned, but clearly have failed to meet their goals. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you look at the, um, the actual situation with global forests, um, we're still losing forests at a rate of 41% higher uh, since that 2014 agreement that was signed. And that, that's just sad. So yeah, I would say that, um, okay, so maybe the deforestation, the, the reforestation commitment at COP26, it's, it's something to get excited about, but not overly given the track record. Okay, so finally, let's... Um, I want to have a word about carbon capture and sequestration. Uh, 
It will be interesting to see how that plays out in Glasgow. Uh, it's certainly an element playing out in Washington right now, and we're seeing it playing out at the grassroots level. I will just say this. I am not a fan. Taking carbon that you are producing, I mean, what's already in the atmosphere is one thing. If you're going to keep producing it and somehow sequester that, that's not going to solve the problem. It's the carbon in the air right now and other greenhouse gases that are causing the problem. So the high-tech carbon um, capture schemes uh, that are being floated now by these big polluters, basically they amount to business as usual. And one case in point are the two CO2 pipelines proposed for the upper Midwest. Those two pipelines alone would cover, cut through, let me say, about 1,600 miles of Iowa farmland. That's uh, a lot of pipeline and for a very questionable purpose. So the question is, I guess, is do you think COPE is... Um, COP26 is coming. Are these, are these small steps worth taking? Are they actually accomplishing something? Or, um, or are, are we, are, are, are they, again, I want, to, I want to share with you some of the things that Greta Thunberg and others are saying, but do you, are, are, they really, um, are they really taking us in no direction at all, maybe even in the wrong direction, because some of what's being proposed is going to continue to benefit the biggest polluters. And again, when, when you have the, the biggest coal-producing countries sidestepping the coal agreement, what kind of an agreement is that? You know, um, anyway, folks, um, time for me to open the phone lines here. Um, please join the conversation. I'd love to hear what you think, pro, con, different opinion. Uh, just because you have a different opinion than me doesn't mean you're right. Uh, <laughs> Kathy loves it when I say things like that. So um, you can join the conversation. Send me a text message at 515-238-6404. That's 515-238-6404. Send me a text message saying your name, first name's fine, where you're from, and then call back that number and we'll talk. And if I can't get your call right away, I'll try, try back a bit later. And if you're listening on our radio stations or podcast, again, if you want to join the live dialogue each week, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be doing that uh, at 4 o'clock every Monday. Okay, take a short break here to thank um, a couple of our local business partners. Thank you to uh, uh, Dr. David Drake. Uh, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Also, thanks to Groovy Goods. That's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. Learn more at groovy-goods.com or stop in at 23rd and University in Des Moines. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed, and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. 
contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Welcome to the Fallon Forum. It's Ed Fallon with you here, folks. We are discussing the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow. If you can join the conversation live on Mondays on Facebook, uh, 4 p.m. Central Time, we'll take your calls. Okay, folks, uh, welcome to call and join the program. If you're listening to our live broadcast, again, 515-238-6404. And if you get a busy signal or if I can't answer your call, just try back. I wish we had one of those fancy systems with six lines. We don't. Uh, most of those are either on big commercial stations or at use in Glasgow right now for the uh, UN Climate Summit. Let's go to line one. Welcome, uh, John from uh, Des Moines. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks, Ed. Hey, what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, well, um, I you know I, I'm I'm in favor of the Earth and against global warming. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great start. Great start. Taking we're on a the, bold stand. We're on the same page. Here's my question, and it's a huge one, of course. Um, we got We have to have a lot of people say we have to have businesses on board, right? To, to make a dent, to make a real change in, in what we're in how much carbon we're producing. Right. On the other hand, other folks say we really need to go after this capitalist system, which is the problem, um, in terms of generating so much carbon and so much inequality uh, across the globe. What's your take on that, Ed? How do you answer that one? Well, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that, um, and I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't blame capitalism per se. I mean, Chinese communism is doing just as good a job at destroying the planet as uh, as American capitalism. I blame uh, a rampant runaway industrialization that has um, has uh, decided that. Uh, Nothing is uh, is sacred. <laughs> that uh, that uh, that we must continue to grow the economy. Uh, we must get bigger, and by bigger we mean better every year. Every year we've got to be doing more. We've got to be making more money. We've got to be having a bigger gross domestic product. Uh, our cities have to keep expanding. Our universities have to keep expanding. Our hospitals keep expanding. You know, it all it's all based on an expansionist uh, mentality that I believe is at the root of the problem. Okay, so, I mean, again, do you think, I mean, is there a place for businesses to do their their work better while making a profit, or is there, do we have to rethink that fundamentally? I That's think, kind of I, I think there is. I, I mean, I, I just think you can't make so much profit that uh, other people are hurt and the planet is killed. Uh, that's just not going to work. What, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to ask you your question. Oh boy, um, that's why I called you in. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can always hang up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a legitimate question. Um, you know, I, I, it's kind of like a both and, right? Um, I think you you put it well. I don't need to repeat it, but uh, you know, businesses, uh, you know, multinational corporations have, have you know done a tremendous amount of damage to our globe, and yet um, we, I think, we do need them to uh, to change their behaviors, um, and and we won't make progress unless they do. So it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a both and. Um, okay. Thank you for your, this program. You're welcome. I and mean, we need to talk about that more because um, there, there's, there's, a thought, there's this presumption that we have to continue to grow. And maybe it's time we start questioning that. John, thanks for calling. Right. Thanks, Ed. All right, folks, if you want to join the conversation on our live broadcast, again, 515-238-6404. Yep, there we go. Hello. Who's calling? Sam from Des Moines, I believe. Hello, Sam. Hi. 
Yes, this is Sam from Des Moines. What's on your I'm mind? Doing well, so, well, I, I, I agree with Greta. This summit is going to just be a lot of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 2030s. You're right. They're not taking this seriously enough. And they wouldn't take those timelines serious to begin with. And, and, and uh, what do we do to change that? I mean, well, the fact of the matter is, as you were talking about corporations, what it should be is a climate summit and some sort of global corporation. I, I'm looking for the word. Sorry. If, uh, you know, everyone has to work together to limit what they're putting out. And basically, it's the corporations that are the main problem. The countries are letting them get away with whatever mm. they want. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, every, everything, I think every person has to take some responsibility. But I think the, to, you know, one, one of the uh, greenwashing techniques has been to dump the responsibility on the individual. If only everybody did yes. their part. When you've got this handful of big companies that have really caused most of the problem, and you've got a handful of countries that have really led the charge in terms of creating, laying the foundation for what is now, you know, well, lead, you led us into this point. We, uh, you see, I agree with you that the problem is not capitalism, though it is to a certain extent because of what we allow. And But yeah, Chinese communism is doing a great job, too, of ruining the climate. But in the U.S., we have to control corporations more. We are headed to a world where corporations are openly, just a few, are openly controlling our system. And part of our system is the climate. And not only are they, uh, you know, taking over our, have taken over our political system to a certain extent, especially those in big oil and coal. Yeah. They have breaking the lobby of big oil. Do you know how much that would do for the climate movement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even just... Yeah. Even just lowering it by a quarter percent, yeah, some, we could it, it's, have so much more. You know, it's, at some point, businesses are going to realize that hey, maybe, maybe climate change is not good for business. Um, well, that's that's what has to happen. But these people are so fixated on the bottom line, the profit line of next year, that they don't realize in thirty years there's going to be nothing. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I'm hoping that at some point it hits home that, hey, wait a minute, that's not going to work well for us. Even though we're looking at next quarter's P&L statement, uh, if the P&L statement ceases to exist 10 years down the road or five years down the road, maybe we need to be doing something different. <laughs> um, well, frankly, uh, there should be all those patents that they bought up over the last century for other engines that would work on things other than oil. They should be exploring all those patents yep. that so they couldn't lose money. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Now? Well, Sam, uh, thank you for your call. Let me let me Sorry. grab another phone call. And again, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Okay. Have a great day. Ed. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, uh, Jerry from Iowa City. Jerry, how are you? Good, thanks. What's your take on COP26? Well, I, I think there are a lot of problems. I would say that, uh, as you pointed out, the even the G20 countries, they're not keeping up with their pledges that they made in uh, Paris. And we are far from on track to limit our warming to uh, 1.5 degrees 
Celsius. That's about 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. We've uh, the listeners should know that we've already had about 1.1 degrees Celsius. That's two degrees Fahrenheit already. Right. And yeah, we're on some kind of a path towards at least five degrees Fahrenheit, unless people start to not only um, honor the pledges that they made in Paris in 2015, but ratchet them up, uh, make it more uh, stringent, more serious. That's the whole notion of what was adopted in Paris. So that's kind of disappointing. And also the Green Climate Fund, uh, uh, the other major uh, agreement in Paris to have $100 billion a year by 2020 to the uh, island nations that you mentioned earlier, and to the, I think there's 43 vulnerable uh, nations that are a part of this agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that isn't, hasn't developed yet. It looks like maybe we'll have it by 2023, but quite honestly, $100 billion a year isn't nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And from their uh, standpoint, they would like to have some language on loss and damages come out of Glasgow. Yeah. That uh, is an anathema to the United States and many other countries, the EU, because they worry that that would open up lawsuits for now, the damages that have already occurred at uh, two degrees Fahrenheit warming that we're now, Jerry, already experiencing. Now, now Jerry, you're, you are a climate scientist. You're just Jerry Schnorr, folks, uh, from Iowa City. Who uh, And you've been to at least one or more of these uh, climate summits, I've been correct? to all of them, actually. All uh, of not them? The, My gosh. Not 26, okay. but all the major ones, okay. uh, uh, including Rio when it was signed, and, and so the World Summit on Sustainable Development in Johannesburg, yeah. and, and Copenhagen, and Paris, and uh, this one I decided to try to tune in remotely yeah and and so are, are you are you seeing less than you expected are you seeing less than you well, ex- there are some good things your, your listeners should know there there are some good things happening and uh, Biden led the uh, the methane pledge the 30 percent reduction by 2030 that's exactly where we should be at the methane is a low-hanging fruit it's easy to uh, try to plug the gas leaks that are happening from fracking and all this new uh, oil exploration in this country and and other countries and it's a very potent greenhouse gas the other good thing about methane to control that it has a lifetime in the atmosphere of only about 10 years instead of over a hundred years for carbon dioxide so we really this is a really smart and really good thing that happened as a result of leadership of the united states and he's already by executive order uh, put some teeth in that. Uh, previously, we only had, under the Obama administration, um, rules on new oil and gas lease, hmm. leases on federal land. So what do you, what do you this, say? What do you this say, will now apply to all oil and gas what, what do you say to somebody facilities? like Senator Grassley who says, well, you know, a lot of the problem is cattle, uh, cow flatulence, and we can't put diapers on cows. I mean, that's, that's actually a, that's pretty much a direct quote. Well, that's, you know, kind of silly, but of course, uh, uh, animal agriculture does contribute, but we think the increase has been due mostly to increased gas and oil production activity. And we, but the worry is too, that it could be partly, and we use isotopes to try to figure this out. Uh, it could be partly due to the melting of permafrost. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was going to ask: Does the conversation at uh, Glasgow regarding methane is there any any interest in touching on 
the the question of the feedback loops. What happens when you get enough warming in the Arctic yeah. and, and, and you in know, Siberia? Even the IPCC and, reports the, from the United Nations don't deal much with uh, abrupt what we call abrupt climate change. You know, right. as the permafrost melts uh, quickly, the increase in warming that we could experience in a short period of time, not decades, but even shorter. And uh, I think for the first time now, uh, scientists and uh, discussions at uh, Glasgow are at least talking about these positive feedback loops that right. are quite dangerous. Okay, so maybe I was, uh, maybe I should have uh, mentioned methane earlier on as something that we can genuinely point to as an accomplishment. And, and, and again, as you pointed out, initiated by President Biden. But what about the other uh, issues I mentioned, especially coal? It looks like the, uh, the coal commitment, no matter how you slice it, is window dressing at best. Yeah, only about, tw uh, last time I checked, only about 20 countries have said that they will end coal completely by 2030. We were not one of them, by right. the way. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, that should be a lot stronger. And again, that's kind of low-hanging fruit, really. We sh that's one that we should be doing. On the good side, again, uh, to, to try to add some uh, hope here, uh, the deforestation plan seems to be making uh, advancement. A hundred countries have agreed to end deforestation by 2030, and the biosphere reserve 30% uh, uh, contributions to a biosphere reserve, both on land right. and in oceans. Uh, this is new conversation and could be a success. And, and again, that's that's good. But uh, as I pointed out earlier, there have been these previous agreements dating back to the beginning of this century. <laughs> um, Three uh, forest uh, reforestation agreements that have all basically failed to meet, you know, anywhere close to meeting their goals. So uh, is there any reason why we should expect this one to be more successful? Well, uh, hope springs eternal. And, well, <laughs> it, you're right. Yeah. We had a bio, we had a, um, a biosphere agreement uh, called uh, the uh, yeah, deforestation coming out of Rio, actually, in 1992. And it hasn't resulted in all that was promised. Mm -hmm. So let's hope this time that we're serious. And the last thing we should talk about, if you have time, is finance. You know, yes. uh, supposedly uh, Mark Carney and Bloom, uh, Bloomberg, you know, from Bloomberg uh, News, sure. have gone together to form the Glasgow Financial Alliance. And uh, they claim they've got 450 companies, uh, banks and so forth, uh, with $130 trillion in assets that they will lend if and only if the, the projects uh, follow a path towards net zero emissions by 2050. And that, that's, that's good, but why won't, the, why won't those same, same banks and financial institutions be held accountable by a, an agreement on coal that includes them? in the uh, targets of uh, well, I assume that uh, coal could not get any funding, at least uh, under this uh, Glasgow Financial mm. Alliance. But I, I, I could be wrong about that. All right. Well, Jerry, uh, thank you uh, so much for calling. Folks, uh, Jerry Schnorr joined us. He's uh, in Iowa City. He's often in places like Glasgow. You've been to, I didn't realize you'd been to that many uh, conferences, uh, Jerry. Um, uh, I've been around a long time. <laughs> open, open to see some progress. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to call us. Thank you. Take care. All right. Hey, folks, I'm going to take a 60-second break. 
Again, thanks to all of our local business partners. And we have two nonprofit partners, including Bold Iowa, uh, building rural-urban coalitions to address climate change and to prevent the misuse of eminent domain to build pipelines. You can learn more at boldiowa.com. Uh, thanks also to Birds and Bees Urban Farm, offering classes and workshops on how to turn your yard into dinner. You can get more information about classes, workshops, and farm tours at birdsbeesurbanfarm.org. Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Fallon Forum. It's Ed Fallon with you here, folks. We are discussing the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow. If you can join the conversation live on Mondays on Facebook, uh, 4 p.m. Central Time, we'll take your calls. All right, so um, again, if you want to join this conversation, folks, uh, happy to have you uh, jump in. The number to call is 515-238-6404. And unfortunately, we can only take one call at a time. So that's a little awkward, but again, we're making it work. Uh, we aren't one of these um, big stations, uh, as you know. Uh, the big commercial, we, can, we talked about this last week. We'll talk about it some more, but the big stations have just, um, thanks to a couple law changes, they control pretty much everything. So if you'd like to join the conversation, send me a text message and then send me a, uh, send me, then, then just call. And uh, the number again is 515-238-6404. So, um, this was sent to me, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if, um, if saying we're going to get off fossil fuels by 2050 makes sense, then maybe this makes sense too. And maybe this is a good way to explain to people why saying you're going to get off fossil fuels by 2050 is a bad idea. This is from The uh, Shovel. It's an Australian publication. And uh, actually, um, I'm going to get back to that because I want to take one more call. Hello, welcome to the program. Who we got here? Uh, this is Frank the First Thomas. Oh my gosh. Darth Vader. Uh, all right, Ed, am I on? Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the program, Frank. I was How just you doing, brother Ed? good. I was just starting to share something very entertaining with people from Australia, but we're going to take we're going to come back to that and give you a chance to tell me how much you are disappointed with what's going on in Glasgow. Or that you're loving it, well, perhaps. First, 
Well, first off, Ed, you know I'm not a fan of the Pope meddling in world affairs. I really don't need him uh, doing anything that uh, is uh, encroaching, encroaching upon my freedom as wait, wait, a human who, being who, to do what I want. Who, who the so Pope? I don't necessarily like the the Pope. Go ahead. You said the Pope. Yeah, the isn't the Pope is over there meeting in Glasgow or going to uh, do a video stream in Glasgow, isn't he? Okay, so what if the Pope was in? Um some poor country in Africa helping to serve meals to starving children. Would you have trouble with that? No. Okay, so why... But if he's, why, but if he's, going, if he, if he's going to be bullying countries and telling them what to do on climate, and that's going to start infringing on what, you know, my personal rights to drive what I want, to do what I want, to heat my home the way I want, to dress as I want, you know, it, I, you know, let me ask you a question, Ed. Here's just a question. Of these 26 countries in the COP26, how many of those leaders do you suppose showed up in private jets? No, there's not 100, There's not 26 countries. There's 197 countries, and I don't know how many showed up in private jets. Um, I would hope that very few of them did. But let me ask you, Frank, uh, how old are you? 64. I turned 64 and Okay, because when you tell me you want to be able to do whatever you want, drive whatever you want, heat your home wherever you want, that, that, doesn't, that, that, sounds, that doesn't sound right to me. It sounds like there's a lack of willingness to take some responsibility for one's behavior. I mean, wh how you drive, what you, what you wear, what you eat, what you, where you live, it affects other people. You can't say that you live in a bubble. What we do, what I do, every one of us, affects some, everybody else. And let me let me just say let me just make it clear. I've got a certain level of respect for you mm -hmm. because you walk the walk. I think some of the stuff you're spewing is dribble, but at least you're <laughs> you're living by what you say. But your comrades, Clinton, Obama, uh, Kerry, Biden, Bernie, Warren, Pelosi, communists, all of them, Al Gore. All those guys are flying around in private jets while you're tooling around Des Moines on a bicycle. <laughs> Please don't run They're me not down. Walking the walk. Yeah. I, well, you know, you and know Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez showed up to a some sort of a thing wearing a tax the oh, rich. Oh, yeah. Gown. No. Did, did you look into that? That dress 30, was. No, no. That, that dress was. Thirty thousand dollars a plate is what I understood that well, cost to right. get in. No, but she didn't pay because the 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 Met that puts that on wanted their local politicians to come. So they, they comped them. They got in for free. She borrowed that dress. I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Okay. Yeah. So she walked the walk, too, in a very fancy gown. Yeah. Well, I don't think she's out riding a bicycle like you. Maybe not. But again, okay, so I, I, I mean, I, I hate to see people, you know, flying in private jets to these climate conferences. Agreed. But they got to get there somehow. They're there. Is what they're doing commendable or is it is it um do you have some do you have words of criticism for it what do you what's your take on it i think it's a i i personally think it's a waste of time i've always told you a long time ago uh, the lord is control of this planet if the tides start rising move to higher ground <laughs> i mean there's just certain you parts sound, of california that sound, should not be developed it's 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 subject to constant Wildfire, it's subject, and then after the the foliage burns off, then it's then it's subject to mudslides. There's just certain property in this world that should never have been developed. And the one you, thing I will agree with you about, Ed, 
here in Iowa, at least anyways, Ankeny and Altoona is just full of asphalt parking lots where once upon a time water actually used to fall and absorb, but now when that water falls on that asphalt, it's running off somewhere, flooding somebody's property. We agree that shouldn't be so happening. I will, yeah. I will agree with you and concede to you that point that we're overdeveloping Ankeny and Altoona, some of the most pristine farmland in this country. Let me ask you one more question, Frank, that I think we might find agreement on. I'm not sure. But part of what's being discussed in Glasgow is carbon capture and sequestration. And a big part of what we're seeing here in Iowa right now and other states in the upper Midwest is uh, huge proposals for carbon sequestration pipelines, carbon uh, pipelines that would take carbon being emitted already from ethanol plants and transporting it to North Dakota in the case of one pipeline, to Illinois in the case of the other, running through a total of 1,600 miles of Iowa farm ground. I'm not a fan. Are you? You know, Ed, it's going to move some way. It's going to move on Warren. You know, Warren Buffett's going to move it on his railroads. Somebody's no, going to move this it's, stuff. It's so not, I don't know what the difference is. I would rather have a spill on land than have a railway spill or a spill in the ocean. Uh, I There's pipelines running all over this country of various kinds. What's the problem with one more added pipeline? I guess I just don't well, ever... I never quite understood that. Here's a story about what's wrong with one more pipeline. I was not, I was so, I walked the length of the Dakota Access Pipeline before it was built. It was a proposed route at the time. And I met a guy named Ken Larkin up in Story County. And he, um, I knocked on his door and I said, how do you feel about the pipeline they want to put through your land? And he said, well, I've already got four pipelines. And I thought, oh, well, then you probably don't mind. He says, no, I mind a lot. Uh, I've had a lot of trouble with a couple of these pipelines, including one that blew up. Um, and nearly it had put a hole in his house, and if he and his wife had been in a different room, they would have been killed. So he wasn't a fan of that pipeline or the one that, um, the one that was proposed to come through. So, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, in terms of the carbon... And how, and, and, and how close was this to his house? Uh, reasonably close. Quite close. Well, I wouldn't... I wouldn't uh, uh, endorse that. I don't think anything should be that close to some to a residential area or someone's home. Well, again, I mean, it, it doesn't have I to. I think you and I can agree. Yeah, on but that. it doesn't even have to be that close. Look what happened in Satarsia, Mississippi, when that CO2 pipeline burst there. Forty-nine people ended up in the hospital. It's amazing that no one was killed. I mean, that 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 thick cloud of deadly gas just you know washed through the town and some of the surrounding areas. And there's no reason, you know, again, 1,600 miles across Iowa, there's no reason to believe that that couldn't happen again here in some small town somewhere in our state. So have you ever come to grips, Ed, with what your solution is besides windmill and solar panels? Have you ever come to grips with we need nuclear energy? That's the only solution when we got 7.5 billion people in this planet and we got third world countries wanting to come online uh, to join the 21st century. Have you come to grips yes, with, with, I have, with Frank. what's going to solve the world's uh, energy needs? I have. And the bottom line is we need a spiritual revolution. We need to move away from believing that life is all about stuff, about acquiring things, about being richer than we were last year, about being more powerful than we were last year, about having a bigger home, a bigger car. We need to start focusing on spiritual values, um, and if you're a Christian, dig into your religious tradition. I mean, Jesus, simple man, down to earth, um, embraced voluntary poverty. And I don't know if we have to go that far, but we certainly should be embracing a level of simplicity 
that would allow us to eventually have a level of human population on this planet that is sustainable and to the point where, you know, we, 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 can, share, we can share the riches of this earth without uh, trying to dominate the planet itself and other people. So, yeah, I just, I, I just, I, I think that's a solution. Yeah, I might agree with you, Ed. Okay, to a good. Point, but I don't think the I don't think the rich care. Oh, they don't care. I think we I think we agree that the rich don't care. <laughs> uh, Frank, I, I always I always enjoy. I your... mean, listen, listen. When the proverbial crap hits the fan, Ed, they all plan on going to Mars anyway. Mars or bunkers in South Dakota, I hear. Well, yes, but but but. You know, those can flood, and people may come with pitchforks and torches to drag them out of them bunkers because they'd have to hire their forces, their retired uh, Marines, their retired Special Forces to protect them. But what happens when there's no money to pay them? Yeah. They're eventually out. It's going to be Mars. They're eventually out to outer space. Why do you think Bezos and all these guys well, I, is flying to space like crazy? Frank, though, it pains me to say it. I agree with you again. Um and now that Matt Damon has shown us, <laughs> Matt Damon has shown us that it is possible to grow potatoes on Mars. Uh, even I could survive there. So, <laughs> I, I guess so. Chickens and chickens and potatoes, Ed. You're good to go. All right, Frankie. Uh, Frank, thanks for the uh, phone call. I got to run to a short break here. Well, I appreciate it, Ed. Glad to catch up with you. All right, bye bye. Uh, Frank, uh, thanks for calling. And uh, short. When we take a short break here, like a minute. When I come back, I'm going to finish my story about uh, the uh, what's what this um this comparison to getting to net zero carbon emissions by 2050 and what that well what a way that might make that more comprehensible to folks. All right, thanks again to the local businesses who helped make this program possible. Uh, thanks to Western Optometry located in Des Moines East Village. Uh, Dr. Joel Westerman and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westerman Optometry. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Our cat loves her. I think our chickens, um, I don't know, are chickens capable of love? Maybe. Anyway, you can learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page, Story County Veterinary Clinic. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Klipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet. And he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of Architecture by Synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com.
welcome to the Fallon Forum. It's Ed Fallon with you here, folks. We are discussing the COP26 Climate Summit in Glasgow. If you can join the conversation live on Mondays on Facebook, uh, 4 p.m. Central Time, we'll take your calls. Okay, so I'm going to go back to what I started earlier. The, um, there's a publication in Australia called The Shovel. It's kind of like the U.S. equivalent of The Onion. It's um, news stories that really aren't news, and it's funny. They're comical, but they poke at present issues in a way that might get your attention. And this is from The Shovel. And again, there's, um, there's an Australian talking there. Since I can't do an Australian accent, I will, um, I will attempt to use my Irish brogue. A Sydney Australian man has set an ambitious target to phase out his alcohol consumption within the next 29 years as part of an impressive plan to improve his health. The program will see Greg Taylor, age 73, continue to drink as normal for the, for the foreseeable future before reducing consumption in 2049 when he turns 101. He has assured friends it will not affect his drinking plans in the short or medium term. Taylor said it was important not to rush the switch to non-alcoholic beverages. It's not realistic to transition to net zero alcohol overnight. This requires a steady, phased approach where nothing changes for at least two decades, he said, adding that he may need to make additional investments in beer consumption in the short term to make sure no night out is worse off. Taylor will also be able to drink to bring forward drinking credits earned from the days he hasn't drunk over the past 40 years, meaning the actual end date for consumption may actually be 2060. To assist with the transition, Taylor has bought a second beer fridge, which he describes as the capture and storage method. Anyway, uh, <laughs> maybe that will help you uh, help you understand what's going on with climate, with uh, with this these pledges to end climate and uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Bottom line is, it's not going to work. Uh, we have to get really, really serious about this. I think a lot of people had hoped, had expected, uh, had anticipated that, that we would see that kind of serious wake-up moment in Glasgow. We haven't. And over 100,000 people protested in Glasgow last week. Uh, Greta Thunberg was with them, of course, uh, and there's lots of um, lots of people doing really important work. Indigenous leaders, um, traditional leaders, uh, from uh, people from all over the world who are doing important things to address the lack of immediacy in terms of the global response to uh, climate change. And Greta Thunberg told crowds that uh, COP26 was quote a global north greenwash festival, and quote a two week long celebration of business as usual. She went on to say, many are starting to ask themselves, what will it take for the people in power to wake up? But let's be clear, they are already awake. They know exactly what they are doing. The leaders are not doing nothing. They are actively creating loopholes to benefit themselves. I will tell you, I, I agree with her. I, 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 think, I, I think there are people there who are sincerely wanting to do the right thing, who really are trying to make sure that something gets accomplished. I would, I would in fact say that most people there want that to happen. But clearly, the big countries of the world are there minding, they're making sure that what comes out of this is not going to hurt their economic standing. 
And that's that's the biggest part of the problem here. And, and again, you know, maybe maybe my right wing caller Frank and I uh, came together on that. I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But the um, you know, the, the, we we can't continue with business as usual. We we can't continue down this pathway of continued expansion. You 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 know, you having a reforestation plan is not compatible with having a um. <laughs> You know, having a having a, a commitment to using more and more wood for more and more construction. I mean, I look at what's happening just in the Greater Des Moines area. I mean, there is so much construction downtown right now, and I'm not, and believe me, I love to see construction in downtown as opposed to on farm ground, prime farm ground, or you know, sensitive natural areas. Yeah, we need it in downtown, but where's the materials coming from? Well, the lumber is coming from forests. And uh, if we're going to be serious about reforesting, then maybe we also need to be serious about cutting back on new construction. And I know you're going to say, well, where are people going to live? Well, you know, m maybe at some point, maybe we need to confront the population question. Are there, and, and I know that there are people on the political left and right who would disagree with me on this, but I think a, you know, a, a Every ecosystem, and the earth is one ecosystem, and within that ecosystem, there are other individual ecosystems. Every ecosystem has its carrying capacity. I would argue that we have, we have exceeded earth's carrying capacity. The only reason we're able to sustain seven plus billion people right now is because we are, we are fueling the lifestyle. Uh, and again, it's not a great lifestyle for many, many people around the world, but we're fueling the, the, the collective lifestyle on fossil fuels, on, on sunlight that was captured so long ago <laughs> that we're not going to be around for the next round of oil, coal, gas. Uh, so at some point, we have to confront the reality that what we have now is not sustainable and that it is probably not sustainable to envision a planet with 7 billion plus humans or as some project, getting up to 10 billion. You know, again... I don't, obviously, I don't support, uh, you, know, um, you know, offing a bunch of people to get us to a sustainable level. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> but I think at some point we have to be, begin wrestling with the reality that there, there's more carrying, there, there, we're beyond the carrying capacity of this planet. And until you have that conversation, and until you have the conversation about living more simply, um, you know, focusing on a more spiritual foundation to your worldview, to your life, uh, being less concerned about trying to have the next cool thing, to have a bigger car, bigger house, bigger whatever, bigger blah, 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 until you confront that reality, we're going to continue to have a problem with losing our forests. We're going to continue to have a problem with, uh, with losing our farmland. Uh, you know, these, these challenges need to be addressed. Uh, they're... they're Systemic challenges. I mean, you know, one of my favorite, I'm not, I'm not even sure it's a metaphor, it's just kind of a real-life example. If you have a lot of rabbits, the coyotes are going to be very, very happy until they run out of rabbits. And then the coyotes are going to be miserable. The bottom line is we can't have this, ha we, can't have, um, we can't have everything we think we want and have a livable future. Folks, i got to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Kathy Burns is going to join us. We're going to go through our farm and food segment today with a discussion about November Garden Q&A. And um, if you're listening on 
Facebook. Again, we're wrapping the program up here, but you can hear that segment on our radio show, radio stations, and on our podcast. Back in a minute with more on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the program, folks. Ed Fallon with you here. Thanks again to our local business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. You can order groceries online, and Gateway also offers catering and floral services. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Kathy Burns is with me. <laughs> Kathy Burns is with me, folks. There we go. I'll get it right. Kathy, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, every every I, month we do... I have do, trouble saying my own name sometimes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel so bad then. Every month we do a little garden Q&A, and it's November, and a lot of people are thinking, well, the garden's passe at this point. Why bother to do a Q&A? It's not passe, especially if you're here in central Iowa, where we still have stuff growing all over the place. We do. We have a lot of stuff still in the garden beds. Uh, let's get to some of the questions people have about what's going on in their gardens right now. Somebody on one of the Facebook groups posted that their carrots had gotten frosted. Is that going to harm them? Do I need row cover? What about peas? So I think the point is those those two crops would be fine. A lot of crops do better after a frost. If it's a light frost, yeah, if it doesn't mm-hmm. get too cold, uh, mm-hmm. I think you can always check the hardiness level uh, with a simple Google question, but my recollection is about you know 28 degrees is, is fine, 27. Uh, that's all fine for carrots. Might even make them sweeter mm-hmm. and probably not going to hurt peas either. Yep. So, good. Um, turnips also get sweeter after a frost. Yeah. And yeah. we've got we've got some other root crops out there. Uh, somebody says they were new to green beans this year and had a bountiful harvest and a lot was left over and they've dried up. Um, can they take them inside and replant next year? Probably. I hope so. Yes, if they're, unless they're a hybrid variety, if they're an heirloom variety. Yeah, that should work real well. They can plant the hybrid variety, but they just won't They're, be guaranteed yeah. to get what they got the first yeah, time. Yeah, they, they can be guaranteed they probably won't get what they got the first time, but yeah. If you like what you got, use the hybrid, use the, the heirloom, and then, yes, yeah. replant that year after year. You can also save dried beans and eat them like dried beans. You can soak them and cook them uh, if you have enough, so that's always cool. Uh, somebody asks about putting fallen leaves on top of their raised beds. Does that work for compost and insulation? Um, yes. Yes to all of the above. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. No, we we I I like to use straw on strawberries, and also on garlic. Mm-hmm. Although we've got a friend who swears by leaves to cover garlic. You definitely want to cover your garlic. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, but but leaves work great for just mulching any bed. I mean, it's not it's it's a good idea to have something covering the soil. It is. Um, and then also. Uh, one one of our thoughts about leaves on garlic or strawberries is that they do lay flatter and mat down a little more. They don't quite have the give of straw, um, but we've often used leaves. And then somebody else was asking, do they wet their leaves down to hold the leaves on the beds? The leaves usually stay pretty good in the bed, so um, we we have never really hosed them down. If you lay them down during a wind, you know, a windy day, that's that, well, that's not a good idea anyhow. Uh, <laughs> it's really hard to rake up leaves uh, when you've got a lot of wind. So wait till a calm day, put them down. Yeah, and if you get any, even if you get some dew or frost mm-hmm. or anything at all, that's that's enough moisture to start keeping them in place. It's okay um, to pat them down once you put them on the bed, kind yeah. of pat, pat, pat. And, make sure that <laughs> and yeah, regarding they stay compost, quite a little, talk to them and tell them stay. We, you know, we probably <laughs> we probably quote harvest about sixty to hundred bags of leaves a year. Mm-hmm. Just for our compost. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we uh, use it to kind of provide some bedding in the uh, chicken pen. And then from there, it goes into the composting bins. And it's a, it's a cru- crucial element in the mix. So, well, yeah, it leaves. We have leaves that are very usable on garden beds, too. There are some leaves you should avoid putting on top of your garden beds. Walnut. Walnut leaves for Too sure. much oak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, walnut has a has a uh, an element called juggalone, which I think is the greatest name of a toxin <laughs> ever invented. But it is very poisonous, not to you, but to other plants. Mm-hmm. Although it dissipates out over time, so you know walnut leaves over time probably wouldn't cause a problem. Hmm. Okay, okay. Um, someone's asking about burning off their garden in the fall, and I've seen people do this. Well, the concern is if there's a powdery mildew, a lot of blight, say on the tomatoes and you don't feel that you can get your compost hot enough to burn that off, to kill that in the winter, um, can they just burn it off, you know, by lighting their little bed on fire? If you use a raised bed, I wouldn't put fire on that because it will burn (laughs) your bed. But if you're using open ground planting, I guess you could you could burn. You might want to put it in a pile first. Yeah, I don't. I I guess kind of kind of find that idea a little unsavory because of the unnecessary smoke being created. You could just have a a big pile where that's if you have enough room where that stuff just sits. Uh, but you know, again, if you get your compost hot enough, sure, just put it in there, cook it up. I mean, 140 to 160 degrees is pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one thing I would burn. <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's, there's probably other ways to deal with this as well, but asparagus beetles. If you burn mm-hmm. your asparagus fronds after they uh, turn yellow, mm-hmm. burn that off, and um, that adds some ash to the soil, but also kills off the asparagus beetles. Again, that's that's optional. I'm not I'm not totally sold on that, but I've heard that idea. Question about the asparagus beetles. Um, if if you don't do it before it gets too cold, do you? Um, can you get them? Before, do they dig under the ground? Well, most of them, cold? most of them hop on like an Allegiant airline flight, a cheap flight, and go to Thank Florida you. for the winter. You're so helpful. No, <laughs> no, yeah, they do. They do burrow in, and they'll come back the next year. But you're saying, uh, so you want to burn them before they burrow into the ground? I suppose. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. 
Okay. I don't know. Well, we'll have that to get makes, back that, to you that, on that. That makes sense, but I'm not sure. Okay, okay. Um, and we finally have enough asparagus this year that is not in any kind of a wooden bed. So we could do a <laughs> very slight burn on that, and it wouldn't be very much. Someone else is asking about rosemary, and congratulations, they weren't able to eat all their rosemary through the year, and they wanted to know what to do with it. They had a picture of a beautiful plate full of some rosemary sprigs. Um, do you freeze it, jar it? Any help is appreciated, so uh, just try it. Try right? it. Yeah. I saw a so, lot, so easy. Yeah. I saw a lot of people posting, use, you know, put it in your dehydrator, and I thought, I don't know. You, you don't need that. You just have a plate on your table. You put your your rosemary on yeah. there and it will dry and it looks pretty and it's fun to smell a little bit while it dries on your table. And we're a little jealous because we do not yet have a great rosemary plant despite efforts <laughs> to uh, to uh, nurture one, but it's coming along. It's really just really a slow starter. Well, it's because we're starting it from seed. They are notoriously difficult to start from seed and we, we got one to start from seed. You can buy them at the store. It's doing well. Lovely. It's doing well, but it's still only what? Four inches tall. <laughs> It'll get there. I, I have every yeah. confidence. But I've always had rosemary come back year after year. So once you get a good plant established, um, you shouldn't have to restart it. And yes, dry it. Just pick those fronds and dry it through the well, winter. Well, if you, if you do have excess rosemary, just bring it to us. We'll, we'll use it. We are a little low <laughs> on rosemary. And that is one of my favorite spices for yeah. winter. You know, when we do a lamb roast, um, a leg of lamb with the... Uh, potatoes mm. and carrots we put turnip in there mm. that adds a nice zesty flavor uh, the rosemary balances all that out so well so that's one of the favorites people, well i would just say that don't yeah. don't give up on I, I mean i know people like to turn their gardens in in september maybe october but keep going november at least in central iowa uh and again we, we I, I notice that places just a uh, hundred miles west of here will have an earlier frost uh mm -hmm. Um, deeper freezes, but we we still got all sorts of stuff growing. And it's almost time to Turnips, start our seedlings. Carrots, beets, leeks, lettuce, arugula. Yep, it's out yeah. there. Yeah. Hey. Anyway, thanks for joining us today, mm -hmm. Kathy. Folks, we've been talking with Kathy Burns. She's with Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Thanks to uh, our callers today. Thanks to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman. Kathy Burns and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks to our local business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Bold Iowa and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Remember, your support for this program matters a lot. Sign up for my weekly email on the Fallon Forum website. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast platform. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.